Welcome to the Nursing Home 411 podcast by the Long-Term Care Community Coalition. Thanks for tuning in to the first of what we hope to be many episodes where we'll discuss issues surrounding long-term care with leading experts in the field. I'm your host, Eric Goldwine, and on the upcoming show, I'll be joined by a special guest, Deborah Churhowski. Deb is a leading advocate for nursing home residents as principal of the law firm D.F. Churhowski and as a board member with LTCCC. In the interview, we talk about common misconceptions of nursing home resident rights, as well as warning signs for abuse and neglect, and more. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome okay. to the Nursing Home 411 podcast. It's exciting to have you on the show as our very first guest. Uh, thanks for coming on, Deb. Oh, my pleasure, Eric. Glad to be here. So we have a number of topics to discuss today, uh, but I want to start with the basics. Uh, can you briefly tell our listeners about your work and the kinds of cases that your law firm uh, takes on? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, our firm, we handle cases, broadly speaking, concerning neglect and abuse. And what that basically means for our firm is that if someone has received poor care or been abused in either a nursing home, hospital, home care, or assisted living setting, that's something that we investigate and then litigate based upon the particular facts of that case. Um, and when we speak about neglect or, or poor, poor care resulting in something, our firm handles a lot of cases where residents or patients develop pressure ulcers or falls with some type of significant injury or, God forbid, death as a result of that fall. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned, you alluded to the kinds of cases that you know, your firm takes on. Um, that I, I understand there's there's a lot of cases with falls. Uh, there's uh, cases with uh, with pressure pressure sores. Are those the most common kinds of cases? They are typically the most common cases uh, that we're seeing, at least. Um, there are other types of cases where uh, there might be a delay in diagnosing or treating a particular condition, and we have handled cases like that as well. We've also handled cases uh, where there's been some type of abuse, where a caregiver is abusing a resident or patient in some way, either verbally or physically, and we've litigated those cases as well. Mm -hmm. Now, are there any common misconceptions that you come at? You see a lot of clients and residents and, and their family members. Are there any common misconceptions that you come across in your day-to-day -day work or really that you just come across uh, as you're uh, listening to news or, or talking about the issues with, uh, with uh, friends or, or family? Uh, yes. They're actually, um, interestingly, the two areas we see most often in terms of cases in my firm, we also see a lot of misconceptions with respect to both of those areas. For example, 
what will sometimes get a call, or often actually get a call from a family member concerned about something at a facility. Maybe it's that um, the facility um, wasn't advising them maybe of a new medication that their loved one on, which loved one is on, which is also an important concern. And in the, com in the scope of that conversation, we'll be talking and it'll come out that their mom or dad has a bed sore. But that isn't what prompted the call, it's something else that prompted the call. And sometimes a family member may feel that because their loved one might be in bed all day or in a chair for long periods, that that's just something that's going to happen. And mm -hmm. that is, in, in most instances, is a misconception because um, as experts, trained, qualified nurses, doctors that we work with as, as experts will often say to us, with proper care, most people are not developing pressure ulcers, also known as bed sores, or also known as decubitus ulcers. So that's one misconception. Another misconception surrounding falls is that if someone is frail or weak or unsteady, they're going to fall, and that's just going to happen. But what I try to educate family members on is there are many interventions that can be looked at depending upon the resident or patient to determine what steps can be taken to try to prevent that fall from happening. And so what we look at when we investigate a case is were these particular interventions, depending upon the particular resident or patient's needs, put into place. Mm -hmm. Now, when you do educate uh, families of residents, uh, what is your approach? approach uh, to doing to doing that are there uh, 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 materials you give them uh, or do you have conversations with them how do you go about informing your clients uh, and their families about these issues what we try to do is to help raise issues and issues they can then discuss and speak about with the caregivers that are rendering that care. Because it's not a one-fits-all uh, type of situation. The person's particular needs will, will, should be driving what type of care that that person is getting. So we'll raise certain issues that they can then go back and speak with the facility about in order to see if something is or isn't appropriate for their family member. And then we also share with them different resources that are available. LTCC has uh, just done phenomenal work in terms of the different um, educational segments that, uh, the, that are being put forth. And so we try to direct them to whatever resources also might just give them some further background. Um, but I, what I really want people to know is that when someone goes into a nursing home, they have rights and there are, there's a very specific regulations that apply to people in nursing, to, fit, to residents in nursing homes. And it isn't just, well, wouldn't that be the nice and right thing to do? There are statutes and regulations that regulate the type of care that people should be getting and just try to arm them as much as possible with the resources and, and the information so that they can advocate for the best care for their loved ones. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now you've been working in this area for a number of years. Uh, why do you think it's the case that 
that these misconceptions are that there is this lack of awareness of nursing home resident rights. Uh, I'm just thinking this, uh, you were talking about falls before. If someone sent their uh, child to a, their toddler to a preschool and they were uh, uh, suffering uh, injuries every day because of a fall, the, I get the sense that action would be taken immediately, whereas in the nursing home that it seems like that might not always be the case. It's a great question, and, I'm, and I struggle with it over the years, too, to, to why is it still in, in the state that it is. Um, and I think my own just personal thoughts, it can be attributed to perhaps a few things. One is that um, I think the whole nursing home concept is something that people don't want to necessarily think about. They want to avoid it, ignore it, and as long as they possibly can. And then when someone ultimately has to go into a nursing home, it's usually in a crisis-type situation, and someone's being presented with um, their loved one's condition changing perhaps dramatically, having to find a facility that is appropriate, um, dealing with how, that, how is that going to be paid for. So people are just faced with a lot of different, um, d different things to think about, and it's, it's very stressful. And I think unless someone has been through that experience, that there, it's, there's not a lot of information that's disseminated about this unless someone's really looking for it. And even when someone's looking for it, it's not that easy to find. And there isn't a lot of publicity on it. Um, you know, I often say that, as you just pointed out, Eric, if certain things were happening to a child, no one would stand for that. And there would be criminal charges if someone, some of the things that I see were done to a child. And it's, uh, it's quite disturbing, and that's really what led me getting involved in the advocacy work because I want to try to help in effectuating change with respect, of, with respect to that. So I think people, it's, it's a combination of perhaps people's misconceptions about why, how or why certain things develop along with just there not being a lot of information out there. and. Um, I really feel that when a family member, when a family has a family member going into a nursing home, it's as if they need a class, Nursing Home 101, where they can mm -hmm. learn about certain things. And that's wonderful with the podcast. It is the same concept. Um, it, you know, just someone can have a resource to go and look to for things to be mindful of. Because often, I am being consulted by families who are very involved and caring and concerned and visiting regularly but without knowing sometimes what to look for, even they're missing things. And that's so upsetting for families that are involved in caring that something is happening right under their noses as, as they're going to visit multiple times a week, if not every day. Mm -hmm. There are warning signs that I've, I've heard you uh, discuss before that families, uh, loved ones, uh, should look out for um, are are there what are uh, we'll say three warning signs or if there's more uh, that that you tell clients uh, to look out for when they are uh, concerned about uh, neglect or abuse or uh, subpar treatment in a nursing home setting. Well, there's a three-part evaluation that I, I like starting with, and then I can expand on that depending on mm -hmm. how much time we have. But 
Look, listen, and smell are three broad topics that can cover several things within uh, the levels of care. So if we were going to start with look, um, I often encourage families to look at their loved one's body. With bed sores or pressure ulcers, they're developing in the parts of the body we don't see. And I've heard so many families remark and comment to this to me. They'll go and visit their loved one, and their loved one, let's say, will be in the jerry chair, and they'll be dressed, and they seem to look clean and okay. But the bed sores or pressure ulcers can be developing. Typically, they're in bony prominences that are getting pressure. And so if that could be on someone's low back area or the hip area or the heels. And I encourage family members to look at those parts of the body perhaps once a week. Um, if, there's, if nothing is suspected as being a problem, once a week is typically okay. And that brings into another misconception that I would love to just comment on for a moment, and that's about leaving the room. Many family members will say to me, well, I'm asked to leave the room when my mom or dad, let's say, is being changed, and I've been told by the facility that I need to do that. And um, that's something I like getting the word out about. Um, that is typically emanating from a HIPAA concern, potentially, of the facility that someone doesn't have the right, perhaps, to see their, their mom or dad's body in that regard. But if a person is the agent under the healthcare proxy, or we have an excellent statute in New York, the Family Healthcare Decisions Act, if there's no healthcare proxy, then that act could determine who would have the right to make certain healthcare decisions. Um, if someone falls within either of those parameters, or most easily, if the resident says it's fine that my daughter stays in the room, for example, then the person does not have to leave the room. And so that's um, a really great opportunity just to look. If someone's wearing some type of um, adult diaper or incontinence pads, when they're being changed, they can just take a, take a look and see if they see anything that seems red or irritated or any kind mm -hmm. of uh, open skin. So that um, falls under the look category. And smell um, is can also be something that could be indicative of either possibly poor care or some type of skin breakdown going on. I think sometimes people feel like, well, it's a nursing home, there are going to be bad smells. Well, occasionally, yes, some that can't be avoided. But if um, their loved one is having a foul odor and it's not just, let's say, someone had a bowel movement that, you know, a couple minutes before, um, if someone's not being changed timely and it's a urine smell because someone is in a wet adult diaper, uh, that's not good and that has to be addressed. Why is someone not being changed on a timely basis? I will hear families say to me that I, I visited my mom or dad, they were wet, I went and tried to find someone to change them, I was told that they're at lunch, we have to wait, or we're understaffed, we can't do it now. Um, those are unacceptable answers, and that's something, if someone is smelling that on having foul smells on a regular basis, to, be, to look into that further. The <clears throat> final category of listen is, uh, I always talk about this story because it's just so poignant for me, that one of um, the cases we handled, a woman had bruising on her hand, and her granddaughter visited and was concerned about 
that bruising. And so she asked her grandmother, where did that bruise come from? And her grandmother actually started hitting her own hand as if someone was hitting her. And the granddaughter also, in terms of listening, when she would visit, she would hear an aide yelling at other residents from across the hall, so much so that she went out to see what was going on because she was concerned by what she was hearing. And the, grandma, the granddaughter, being concerned about abuse, she actually put a camera in her grandmother's room, and unfortunately her suspicions were confirmed that her grandmother was being abused. Wow. Wow. So is that something you would recommend, uh, putting a camera, uh, if you are suspecting, uh, putting a camera in, in a room? Is, is that something you would advise to do? Well, it's really a case-by-case situation for a family and what they're comfortable with. But if someone does decide to do it, just a couple of um, caveats to be aware of. In New York, um, someone can leave a videotape and, and leave, and as that granddaughter did, to have that video camera videotaping her grandmother. That's permissible. Now, mm-hmm. What one should be careful of is that it doesn't include any other residents in the room because that could then be a violation of that person's HIPAA rights, rights to privacy. So it's important that the camera only be on that person's loved one. Mm -hmm. Also, it's important that that individual that's doing the recording um, has the rights to do that. So for example, if the person is the healthcare agent or if the individual under the Family Healthcare Decisions Act would have the uh, capacity to do that. This granddaughter was the healthcare agent and the power of attorney for okay. the grandmother. Or again, if the person says it's okay, well then that's the best way uh, mm-hmm. uh, to do it. Um, audio though is um, not permitted to audio tape a conversation between two people if um, neither of those people are giving consent. Um, if one person is giving consent, then it's permissible in New York. But if if neither person is giving consent, then it's not permissible. So, for example, if right now, Eric, you were recording this conversation with you and yeah, I, yeah. and you, you yes, didn't which tell hopefully me, I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, since you, even if you didn't tell me, since you're uh, aware of it and you're participating, that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But um, if someone were to leave a video camera that also had an audio component and then leave, that audio is being recorded by people. Who, neither of whom gave consent, so that would not be permissible. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so a couple more uh, questions uh, for you. Um, before you started uh, uh, working in this law firm and um, defending uh, nursing home residents and victims of neglect and abuse, you were a, a, in international business and tax law. Um, I understand you had a bit of a circuitous path uh, to this career. Can you uh, tell our audience how you got involved in this field? Uh, was there a certain a certain uh, case that sparked your interest, or was there a, a certain uh, person that influenced you in this direction? Well, from the International business and tax, um, I actually, from that work, it actually had the opportunity to work at an insurance company, 
And um, when I was doing that work, I was actually more interested in the litigation side once I actually was able to get some hands-on experience and I found myself gravitating towards the litigation involving actual people and their situations mm -hmm. versus the business tax side of things. And then when I um, started working um, after that, uh, that degree and program, I uh, was working at a firm where I was handling different types of personal injury litigation and products litigation. And um, from that, I started handling some cases involving neglect and abuse. And I really found my passion in that area. And I had headed up that unit at that firm. And then I ended up opening my own firm where I focus pretty much 100% in this area. Mm -hmm. And and you've uh, uh you opened up this this firm in 2010 if I have that is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there? It's it, we're nearing the end of uh we're recording this in mid December, so we're nearing the end of the decade. Uh, it, if you were to look at what what kind of cases you're seeing now versus what you were seeing 10 years ago. Um, are there any major striking differences that you're seeing today versus uh, 2010? It's um, hmm, a good question. Uh, I think overall the types of cases involving nursing homes and home care is probably about the same. Also, seeing assisted living has changed a lot or grown a lot in that period of time in terms of um, different services that different assisted living facilities uh, provide based upon their certifications. And so we're seeing more cases involving assisted living than we ever did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think that's um, an evolving area. We're seeing people with serious cognitive deficits um, from Alzheimer's or dementia in assisted living facilities. and the care they're getting there, and um, there's just a, a lot that's unfolding in terms of that, and um, that has changed over this period of time. Great. We're uh, going, to have, going to be having a guest recommendation segment uh, where I'm going to ask you to recommend first a nursing home-related report, news article, video, um, and then after that I'm going to ask you uh, for one recommendation of a uh, of a non nursing home, it could be a movie, a play, a television show, just to get a give the listeners an idea of of uh, the kinds of uh, things you're interested in. So first, are there any nursing home uh, uh, reports or anything nursing home related you uh, you recommend uh, to our audience? Yes, um, the LTCC has done a terrific piece on quality and staffing. And it's um, entitled, as far as I know, Mapping Information on Nursing Home Quality mm -hmm. and Staffing. And it is such a wonderful resource as part of the decision-making process of where to have a loved one go. Um, it's not the only criteria to look at, but it's, it's definitely something that if I had to make a decision soon as for a loved one where I think would be the best place, um, I would certainly look to this as a resource because it lists um, by state in the country and, of course, including New York, 
um, the provider, their city, their county, and a lot of different staffing-related information regarding RN nurses, LPN nurses, CNAs, and I truly feel that staffing has a direct relationship with the quality of care that a resident is receiving in a facility. So I would strongly encourage someone to take a look at that. In addition to going to the facility, visiting, get a sense of, of what things are really like there so that um, before someone admits their loved one to a facility. Mm -hmm. And we'll we'll include a, a link to to that in our uh, in our show dis description and and of course thank you for giving uh, LT LTCCC a shout out there. Um, now this one can't be a long term care community coalition related uh, recommendation. Are there any uh, is there a television show or a movie uh, anything that you've been watching lately that that you recommend uh, for our uh, listeners? Well, this time of year, one movie comes to mind, and uh, it's a movie called Home for the Holidays, and it has a great cast. It has um, Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., and mm -hmm. Anne Bancroft, Dylan McDermott, and um, I think because of, well, a couple things. One, because of what I do professionally and through the advocacy work, and second, having a parent who is um, in her 90s, uh, you know, I, I just... Uh, have uh, just a lot of heartfelt thoughts about the aging process. And, and this movie, it's a bittersweet type of movie that just deals with family life, but also, and just what go, you know, can happen in any family. And then also just the, this part about parents aging and, and children aging and how we all deal with that and, um, and face that, uh, but also with humor in, in this movie. So it's, it's one that I try to watch every holiday season uh, because of those uh, mm -hmm. factors. All right, and that's, that's home, for the, home for the Holidays, right? Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Jodie Foster Great. directed that movie. Um, so. All right. Great. Well, Deb, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on our first podcast show. Uh, you can find... Uh, Deb's uh, law firm at yournyadvocate.com. That's Y-O-U-R-N-Y-A-D-V-O-C-A-T-E.com. And is there anything else, uh, anything else you want to plug here? Uh, anywhere, any other, uh, any other ways uh, for the listeners to find you or to contact you? Um, the website is, is usually best, um, or I can be, uh, my email is, my initials, DT, D as in Deborah, T as in Trahowski, mm -hmm. at the website, yournyadvocate.com. So okay. um, email is, uh, is fine, too. And we're happy to talk to families. I know that uh, the nursing home process is, can be stressful and challenging. And if um, people have concerns about certain things going on, we're happy to speak to them. And as we always say, if it's not rising to the level of a case, the hope is that we can at least give them some resources that will help them with whatever particular problem or issue they're dealing with at that time. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, and I hope you have a good holiday season. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Nursing Home 411 podcast by the Long-Term Care Community Coalition. You can find our show on iTunes, Spotify, and on our website, nursinghome411.org. 
Our music is by Silverman Sound Studios. Till next time. Thank you.